Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And tonight we want to talk about obtaining emotional wholeness. Obtaining emotional wholeness. But first, let's pray. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of studying your word together tonight. And as we study it, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to enlighten us and to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, and ability of all things that pertain to life and godliness. Cause our ears to hear and hearts to receive and minds to be enlightened to know the truth that will make us and keep us free. And Father, I thank you personally for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim boldly and accurately this knowledge of your word. I thank you, dear Father God, for all that it will accomplish in the hearts and the minds of people. And we'll give you the glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to notice the text, the verse here in 3 John. It says in verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things, or I pray above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Notice that verse again. John was inspired by the Spirit of God to reveal the very heart of the Father to each and every one of us. And this should be taken as if it, was, if it were God the Father Himself speaking to every single one of us, saying, Beloved, I wish or pray above all things. Can you see that? God, by His Spirit, reaching out, wanting us to prosper, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. God wants us to prosper in every area of our lives. He wants us all to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. He said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He came to give us abundant life. He wants us to experience abundant life. And that's talking about being prosperous in every area of our lives. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in every way. Well, if this is true, beloved, then why is it also true that there are many emotionally wounded and broken-hearted Christians in the land today? Many are suffering at the hand of the enemy, not knowing which way to turn, not knowing where to go, facing defeat, failure, and, and disaster in their lives because of the forces that are arrayed against them. Why is it true if God wants us to prosper that many of God's people are not prospering in this life? I believe we have the answer right here in this particular verse. It says, even as, in the latter part of the verse, thy soul prospereth. Even as your soul prospers. Well, the soul of man 
involves his emotion, his mind, his will, and emotions. The enemy knows that if he can attack us in the area of the mind, and if he can cause us to be oppressed in the area of the mind, then although God wants us to prosper in all areas of our lives, he can prevent that from happening through oppression, depression, and emotional stress. Therefore, He will target the area of our minds to see to it that we don't prosper in other areas of our lives. See, He knows to go to the very source of prosperity. He knows to target that all-important area. Because if He can shut us down in that area, then He can prevent us from experiencing the full blessings of God. It's important that every single one of us as children of God understand that the mind is the battleground. And that's where warfare really takes place. And that struggle and that battle is within our own makeup. You know, you can be out there having a a war sitting in your car riding the church. And that war is within yourself. It's within your own emotional makeup. You can be driving down a highway and you can actually drain yourself as a result of thinking about all the problems that you're facing in this life. You can actually become weak physically because of all the stress and all the pressures that you're encountering in this life as you rehearse all that in your mind. Well, God wants us to prosper in all areas. And the way to experience that kind of prosperity is to first see to it that our souls prosper. To see to it that we don't give our minds over to outside forces. To rise up and take control of our own lives through the power of God, through the authority of His Word, By renewing our minds to what God has to say about us. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Proverbs. And I want us all to recognize that if we're not prospering in the soulish realm of our lives, then it will be extremely difficult for us to prosper in all the other realms of our lives. In other words, if we don't do something about winning the battle of the mind, then we are going to face failure and defeat in this life. God wants us to take a stand against these forces that come against our minds. He also wants us to begin to recognize that even though thoughts that we have may be considered to be our own thoughts, We don't have to be governed by those thoughts, feelings, or emotions. A lot of people are doing bad things out there in the world today because they are being controlled by their emotions and their feelings. And they're allowing their thoughts to be realized in their lives. They think that because emotions are real, and they are real to every single one of us, 
that those real emotions that come to us in this life have control over our actions. But you know, beloved, that's really not true. Our emotions are closely attached to every single one of us. But those emotions do not have to dictate to our actions. And that would be an easy thing to do, beloved, but we must take a stand against our emotions, otherwise our emotions will control our lives. Our emotions will, con- will dictate to our actions. Our emotions can lead us right into failure and defeat. Our emotions can shut down the process of God's power from operating in our lives. Our emotions can prevent us from experiencing the abundant life that God wants us to have. In Proverbs, in chapter 25, we want to look at verse 28. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. We'll read it again. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Keep that thought in mind and look at Proverbs 16 and verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. As we put these two verses together, we understand that it's talking about our ability to control our emotions and allow our spiritual forces from within to take control over our lives. Refusing to give place to emotions that will lead us into destruction and giving place to spiritual forces that will lead us into victory and enable us to overcome circumstances that we face in life. Here, it likens our spiritual and emotional condition unto a city with or without walls. Now, if you go way back in those days, of course, in which, this was, in which these, these verses were written, and you begin to see them in that setting, here's what you discover. Cities were walled, and those walls around the city had gates and doors. The people were inside the city, and in the evening time, what they did was they closed the gates, shut the doors, and they put guards around the walls. That way, if any intruder would come by night or any enemy would try to overtake the city... They were well protected on the inside. Well, it's important then that if they're going to be protected by securing the city with strong walls and stable doors, that they would see to it that those doors stay secure. Or if there's any kind of a breach in the wall, the breach would be repaired so that the enemy could not gain entrance into the city, except, of course, by banging down the door, or scaling the walls. Now, as long as they were on the inside, they were protected. And as long as they were 
protecting the walls by having guards up there and seeing to it that anybody who would come who was an intruder would not be allowed to gain entrance. They were protected. But now if they let down their guard and kept open those gates, then any enemy could come in and just gain entrance into the city and begin to do damage and take control over the people's lives. Well, they understood that language. Well, likewise today, see, it's different for us. When we drive into a city, we don't have or we don't see walls surrounding that city, do we? When you drive into downtown Pittsburgh, there's a lot of cement there and brick and mortar and all that. But you don't see it surrounded by huge walls, fortified walls and gates so that no car can drive in except someone would open up the gate. And so we can't relate to that. But see, back then, that's how it was. And that's why he's trying to touch their hearts and minds and let them know, look, a person who is not in control of his emotions is like a city without walls. A city without walls allows the enemy to come in and do all kinds of damaging things and bring violence and, and, and just ravage the people, just destroy the people. And so one who is not in control of his emotions, he opens up his spiritual life to the forces of darkness that are out there and in all the forces of evil that come against us in life, allowing those forces just to gain entrance into our spirits and shut down the forces of God. And he is saying, look, he doesn't want us to be that way. God wants us to rise up to a place where we recognize the need for us to fortify our walls and prevent the enemy from gaining entrance into our lives. And destroying us with our emotions or through our emotions. See, our lives can be compared to these walled cities. And we're told in the Scriptures to protect our hearts with all diligence because out of it come the issues of life. Emotions coming against us can shut down our spiritual forces from within and they can control us. A person can be bound up, for an example, by envy and greed. You know, we can be jealous in a proper sense. God's jealous over His own, isn't He? And so jealousy does have its proper place. It's an emotion that we experience in our lives. But if we allow it to be carried too far, it can be a destructive thing. We can become greedy and covetous. And some people allowing those emotions and feelings to rise up within them, shut down the spiritual forces of God and are controlled by those emotional forces. As a result, they're building up walls in their lives, but those walls are not walls of protection for the Spirit. They're actually shutting themselves in behind those walls and they're prisoners because they've allowed their emotions to hold them in captivity. A person can be given to anger to such a degree that they build up walls, shutting good out and shutting evil in with themselves. And they're bound up by that emotion, controlled by it and overcome by it, devastated by it, and can do things that are devastating to other people's lives as a result. Well, this writer here is letting us know that God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to have control of our emotions so that we can protect our hearts diligently and allow the forces of the recreated spirit to take over rather than being controlled by emotions. 
But you see, beloved, it's up to every single one of us to make a decision to do what is necessary to experience emotional wholeness. Otherwise, our emotions will work against us and produce wrong things. Well, the mind, beloved, contains walls and gates that protect the heart. If you don't know that, make a note of it. The mind contains walls and gates that protect the heart. Whether or not we realize it, that whatever we allow into the ear gate and to the eye gate, to the soul, will eventually find its way into the human heart. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. Therefore, it's up to us to do something about what we allow to gain entrance into our minds. By listening to wrong voices. And you know, there are many voices out there in this world today. We can build up these walls that will shut us in and cause us to be prisoners in our own lives. Captive by our own emotions. It's up to us to do something about it, to deliver ourselves from it. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, looking at verse 3. We are not to allow ourselves to be imprisoned by emotional hurt. We are not to allow ourselves to be imprisoned by any emotion that goes against the program of God. That goes against the will of God for our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3, God has given us a way to do something about the walls that we build up in our lives. If these walls are walls that imprison us, then these walls can indeed come down. If these are walls that protect us, then those walls can also remain secure and in proper repair so as to keep out the forces that would destroy us. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, our battle or our warfare is not a fleshly thing. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. These strongholds are fortified walls. A place that we give someone or something in our lives, basically in our emotions and in our minds, that controls a part of our lives' territory. And if we give place and strongholds are produced, unless we do something about it, they will continue to dominate and control our lives. And God teaches us right here exactly what we are to do. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In order for a child of God to experience and obtain emotional wholeness, 
that person must learn how to pull down the walls that imprison him in his own mind. Beloved, if God is limited in our lives, it's because we have limited him through our own emotions and in our own mind's eye. Every single one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, faces this same dilemma. God is only as big as we see Him. God is only as big as we allow Him to be. And you know, beloved, you can gauge yourself and discover where you're at and how much you believe God to work on your behalf. And once you do, you know, it's not an easy thing to stretch yourself out beyond that. To have yourself enlarged on the inside so that you can see God to be bigger in your life. In other words, it's going to take much effort. If we can only believe God for so much, in other words, to believe Him for more is going to take a lot of self-control on our part. We're going to have to do something in our own lives to get God to be bigger. God is as big as we want Him to be. God is as big as we allow Him to be. And the thing is, the enemy comes against us to make us see God as being very small in our lives. Not in comparison to the whole universe. We know that God made the heavens, earth, sea, and all that in them is. But we're talking about how big He is to me as an individual. How big He is to you as an individual. In other words, do you see that this God that you serve can be bigger in your life? And can you see that you have the means whereby you can make Him bigger in your life? Some have already been told by the enemy, even by others, that you can't expect God to do anything more than that. You can't expect Him to, to do more of the miraculous in your life. You know, just be satisfied with what you have. You know, some walls that have been built up in all of our lives are walls of religious tradition. Those walls have been produced through teachings, basically false doctrines that tell us God will only do so much. This is something that you've got to suffer in life. You've got to expect this, you've got to expect that, and all that is wrong. People have limited God. What happened to the verses of Scripture that say, All things are possible to him that believeth. Well, someone comes along and says, that's an exaggeration of Scripture. Oh, is it? I don't believe it needs interpretation. Jesus Himself said it. All things are possible with God. Does that need any special interpretation? All things are possible to Him that believeth. Does that need any special interpretation? I think not. In other words, He is saying, God is limited by our ability to believe. It's as we see Him in our lives. It's as we think of Him in our lives. But we know that we all have our limits. And the stretch beyond those limits, beloved, takes, as I said, self-discipline. We have got to settle ourselves down and be still and know that He is God. And you know what? We've got to do that on purpose. I said we've got to do that on purpose. There'll be some things you'll face in life and you'll think in your own mind, there is nothing I can do to get this resolved. And then you'll start getting on your own case. You'll start saying about yourself, I'll start saying about myself, I just can't believe God. Boy, I wish I could believe God for that. 
And right away, you've got these walls built up in your own life. Because you know yourself. You know, you may not be faithful to stand firm on the Word. And so what you'll do is just kind of weather the storm, ride it out. And whatever happens, happens. But see, God doesn't want us to operate that way. He wants us to realize that even though we're at a place where we, we believe as far as we can, we go to Him and say, Father God, if my faith is not where it needs to be, if this is the limit of my faith right now, you know what? I believe that by Your Spirit You can help me enlarge my borders. I believe that by Your mighty Holy Spirit You can help me by instructing me how to believe You for bigger and better things. I believe that as I give myself to You, You will enable me to go beyond anything I've ever gone before in reaching out by faith and touching You, enabling You to be bigger in my life. Do you think God wants to be bigger in your life? Beloved, you better have a hearty amen out there. You know God wants to be bigger. You know God wants to demonstrate Himself to be strong on your behalf in a greater way. No matter where you're at right now, in a greater way, there's more room for the miracle power of God in your life. And you can enlarge your faith. You can expand your borders. You can allow God to be bigger. But you see, in order for that to take place, we've got to pull down some walls. Walls that hold us captive. Such as fear of failure. You know, sometimes people don't reach out to believe God because they're afraid to fail. And I guarantee you, the enemy will come along and tell you, don't act on Mark eleven twenty four and believe that you receive something. What if you don't get it? What if you're a failure? How would that look to those around you? They're going to laugh at you. You dare believe God. They're going to laugh at you because you stepped out in faith and you fell flat on your face. Fear of failure. And you've heard that so often. You've heard that so many times. As a matter of fact, I know of an individual who had built up these walls in his life because he went out, laid hands on the sick, and you know what? Many did not recover. And as a result of people not recovering... He felt, well, hey, it must be me. It must be me. And, of course, I'm sure the devil obliged him and told him, you know, you might as well stop that business. You're not helping anybody out there by doing that. And so, over a period of time, it didn't take place overnight, but over a period of time, even years, he got to the place where he stopped praying for the sick. And I was in a meeting with him one time, a prayer meeting with him one time, and he said, I used to be like you are enthusiastic about the, the Word of God, zealous to go out and lay hands upon people that were sick. But you know what? Give it a few years. You're young now. You just got saved. You know, you're all hyped up because of the things of God. You give it a few years and you'll be just like me. I stopped laying hands on people a few years ago. 
Well, I didn't want to hear that. I mean, dear Lord, I just got saved. I'm, I'm living for God, laying hands on the sick. I'm watching people recover and all that. And this guy's telling me in a few years, you'll be like me. You'll watch people that won't recover. You'll watch people that won't get well. Well, beloved, how many of you know that when you preach to people, someone gets saved? You're going to stop preaching to people? You're going to stop trying to convince people to open up their hearts to Christ? You're not going to do that, are you? No. You're going to continue on doing it, aren't you? Because, you know, there will be those who will respond. Well, when it comes to laying hands on people to receive healing from the Lord, don't stop doing it and don't allow the devil to put a thought in your mind to build up a stronghold that tells you, you might as well just forget about doing it. God just wants us to be obedient to do what He said do. He said lay hands on the sick, then lay hands on the sick. And if they're not recovering, keep laying hands on the sick. And keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it, and tell God, I'm doing my part. You said lay hands on the sick. You said they would recover. The recovering is your part. I'm doing my part. But if you allow thoughts come into your mind, saying, stop doing it, stop doing it, forget about it. Look, this one didn't get well, that one didn't get well, and all that. Can you see what happens? A person begins to take in those thoughts. They begin to see themselves as being a failure till finally it affects their actions. They stop doing it. That's where this person was. That's exactly where this person was. And I looked at him and I said, I will never get to that place in my life. I mean, I was as bold as I could possibly be. And I told him, the Scriptures say in Mark 16, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not my responsibility to make him recover. That's God's. It's only my duty to give God my hands, lay him on the sick, and expect for big and mighty things. I will do that and do that and do that. From that point on, it is not my responsibility. It is God's responsibility. So just keep doing it. Well, see, with that kind of a mindset, you shut down... Those thoughts of the devil. You cast down those thoughts. But this fellow didn't. And so these walls were built up. And you know what? I kept talking to him and talking to him and talking to him. You know what? It started to rub off on him. You know, we kept going. This was once a month. We kept going to this prayer meeting. Finally, he said, you know, would to God I could get to where you are. I used to be where you're at. Would to God I could get back there. You know you can get far away from God? You know you can get far away from the things of God? Now, what changed? Did God change? No, God didn't change. What changed? His mindset. His mindset changed. And why did His mindset change? He put too much responsibility on Himself. Can you see that? And you know, when you do that, you've got to, come, you've got to pull down some other kind of walls. Pride. Now we've got some pride walls built up. Now we're imprisoned by pride. we got to humble ourselves and just say, Hey, you know what, Father God? It's all you. I'm just going to lay my hands on people. Because you said, do it in your word. And you know what? It doesn't matter, as far as I'm concerned, what anybody else thinks about me or even says. I see it in your word. I'm going to continue doing it. I refuse to give place to wrong thoughts. 
fear of failure can imprison us. What about rejection? You know, people can be rejected by other people and then they can withdraw. And they can put up walls to shut other people out of their lives. When you're hurt emotionally, very often that's what we do. We're rejected and so that has an impact upon our lives. And if you encounter enough rejection in your life, walls begin to go up and you shut people out. The enemy has us exactly where he wants us to be. Walls built up that imprison us. Strongholds. Fortified places where the enemy says, I've got control over that person's life. Just watch how they react in this situation. And lo and behold, every time a situation similar arises, the person acts the same way. Have you ever found yourself doing things out there in your life that you don't like that you do? If you're honest with me tonight, raise your hand if you find yourself doing things that you don't like that you do. In other words, you get kind of disgusted because I shouldn't have done that and I always do that. Why do I always do that? Do you ever find yourself saying, well, I'm going to fast and pray and find yourself not doing it? Because, you know, you like to eat and, and all that stuff. Or you really want to pray, but every time you say you're going to do it, you don't do it because something else comes up and, and all that. See, sometimes we think that's just us. But in actuality, it's the enemy who knows our weaknesses. And as a result, we'll always see to it that something comes across our path to keep us from doing the things that will promote our spiritual success. Well, we've got to realize that if we're in a pattern, how many of you know that humans are creatures of habit? We are, aren't we? Well, if we're in a pattern in our lives, it's not an easy thing for us to break those habits. But we've got to recognize that that is what I do in certain circumstances and situations. And I don't like that I do that. Then not just get upset because you always do it. You've got to get to a place to say, now I'm willing to do something about that. And you get to a place where you begin to say, I am no longer going to allow that to hold me captive and cause me to be in prison in my own world. We live in our own emotional world. Isn't that true? You ever notice that if someone gets too close talking to you, you say, you're in my space. Right? This is my space. This is my own emotional world, see, that I live in. And if we're not careful, the enemy can use the emotions that we have in our lives to hold us captive and keep us in prison to ourselves, to our own emotions. What about this one? Inferiority. What about a poor self-image? A lot of people war with inferiority or a poor self-image. Oh, they can see God using brother so-and-so down the street. They can see God using sister so-and-so down the street. But when it comes to seeing God use them, oh, Oh, I know He'll do a miracle for brother so-and-so. I know He'll do a miracle for sister so-and-so. They're wonderful people. They're wonderful believers. They believe God. They've got faith. What about you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, just, you know, I'm just an average Christian. Wait a minute. Jesus didn't make you average. He made you a king and a priest. See, the problem is this. We think others are better. Others are closer to God. 
And that is not the mentality that God wants us to have. As a matter of fact, I read somewhere in the Bible, I think it's somewhere in this book, where it says we're equal heirs. Doesn't it say that? That means we all have all things equal. In God, we're all equal. In God, we're all one. See, the thing is, though, if the enemy knows that you have a problem with inferiority and you've got these walls built up, he'll just play on that and see to it that he keeps those walls fortified. He'll see to it that thoughts keep bombarding your mind telling you just how inferior you are. And just how you can't believe God. Because, see, you can't really collect your thoughts well enough and, and stand firm enough in faith so as to believe God for miracles. And so even though you may want those things, you're really not qualified to experience those things. Those walls got to come down, beloved. If you want emotional wholeness... You have got to, I have got to, for ourselves. And I say you have to, I have to, because no one can do it for us. No one can do it for the other person. We've got to take an individual stand and make the quality decision to start pulling down some strongholds that limit God in our lives. And we've got to get a hold of those strongholds and just say no more. You're coming down in Jesus' name. You will no longer hold me captive. What about bitterness, animosity, and unforgiveness? There are people, beloved, in the body of Christ, and this is sad to say, but it's absolutely true, who have held grudges and who have been in unforgiveness for years. Now, the thing is, Someone did something to them that legitimately offended them. Of course, I've never been offended. <laughs> no one's ever offended me, right? Have you ever been offended? Who hasn't been offended? And then, you know, we're, we think in our own minds, well, if I can just walk the perfect walk of faith, I would never be offended. I'd never offend anybody else. Who are we kidding? Jesus himself was the perfect walk of faith. He offended everybody around him. They wanted to stone him, throw him off the brow of the hill. Didn't they? I mean, think about that just for a moment longer now. Jesus was the perfect, holy, immaculate Son of God, the perfect walk of faith, while absolutely in perfect love, in every attitude of his heart, was meant to bless society, to bless all people. So if he told you something about yourself, he did it for your own good, even if you got offended by it because he loved you so much, he laid down his life for you. You got offended. He came into his own, his own received him not. Right? So he offended a lot of people that were around him. He was the perfect walk of love. He was love personified. And so right away, we feel that, well, there's something that I've done to offend people. And the devil will use that, turn that thing on you, and start telling you just how unqualified you are to say that you walk in the realm of God's love. You're going to get offended, and you're going to offend other people. But the way we prevent walls from going up is by going to the book and finding out that if I offend you, I ask you to forgive me. And if you offend me, I go to you and tell you, and so we can get that thing taken care of, and put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And if you say no, I'm going to hold that grudge against you for the rest of your life. I say, take it up with God. I forgive you. I love you. I asked you to forgive me. My hands are washed clean from it. Praise God. And I'm going on. But now here's the person who got offended and they're going to walk around with that offense. Somebody hurt me 14 years ago and you know what they did to me? But listen, you don't know what they did. Does it really matter what they did? But in their own mind, in their own mind's eye, this is the most vile thing anybody can ever do to anybody. This is the most horrendous thing anybody can ever do to anybody. And you know what? I'm just not going to let go of it. I'm not going to forgive. You see those walls going up? You talking about prison walls? You know it's a horrible thing to be in prison by unforgiveness? Because it doesn't hurt anybody else but yourself. It's a destructive thing. And there are all kinds of prison walls. People are bound up by drugs and alcohol and lust of every sort. For one reason or another, they have an idea that it's going to make them a better person or help them escape reality or whatever it is. But yet, these walls go up and people are in prison. And the reason why they're in prison is because of their emotions. They don't know what to do with their emotions. They don't know how to handle their emotions. And their emotions are handling them instead of they handling their emotions. See, we haven't heard that enough from behind the pulpit. You know why? Because people are afraid of being accused of preaching mind science. Well, beloved, the Bible teaches a whole lot about the human mind. It's not mind science, it's mind sense. From the Word of God that tells us, if we don't do something about this mind of ours and our emotions, then they are going to hold us in captivity. We've got to do something. That person who says, I'm not going to forgive, has got walls built up that have got to come down. How do we get those walls down? Well, we don't got time to go into this in full detail, but as I was asking this question to the Lord, I said, well, now, how are we going to get these walls down? Well, I know that we've got spiritual, supernatural weapons to bring these walls down, but I want to make it as clear as I possibly can by giving you uh, somewhat of an illustration. You go on back to the walls of Jericho, and you'll discover that God wanted His people to enter into the land of blessing and promise. But in order for them to do so, they had to pull down some walls. Didn't they? They didn't get into that land under Moses' leadership. They fell short of it because they had their own walls built up and God was too small in their eyes. Then under Joshua, they were told to go in and take the land. And the first city that they conquered west of the Jordan was the city of Jericho. And Jericho was a city with fortified walls. We're talking about impenetrable walls. We're talking about walls that were safe and secure. And the people on the inside were safe and secure. Well, now remember this. In order for us to enter into the full blessings of God... We have got to do something about pulling down those Jericho walls that are built up in our lives. Just as they had to do something about pulling down those Jericho walls 
to gain entrance into the full blessings of God. If we don't do something with the soul, we're not going to experience the full prosperity of God. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So to what degree our soul prospers is to what degree we're going to prosper in all areas of our lives. If we don't get our minds under control and our emotions under control and then allow the spirit on the inside to control us, then they're going to hold us in captivity and bondage and keep us out of the full blessings of God. Now, what they did was to pull down those walls was this, and this is so important. I just began to see that God instructed them to be silent. He also got their attention and their focus off of the strength of the walls in the city. He said, I want you to go forward in silence, and I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant with the priests and the warriors to go before you and walk around the wall six days, one time, and then seven times on the seventh day. But I want you to see this. Every one of us needs to set aside time to be silent. Be still and know that I am God. Would you agree with me that your mind races throughout the day? And sometimes you've got to just lasso that thing and pull it and say, stop it. You ever been there? Hundreds of thoughts, I mean thousands of things going through your mind throughout the course of the day. And there's so much happening and so much going on, we just don't take time to deal with this thing called our emotions and our mind. Well, God says, be still. You know, that's not an easy thing to do. You're sitting there right now and you may be still in your flesh, but are you still in your mind? You could be sitting in a car. You can be so shut in with yourself, you didn't notice the last three red lights that you just went through. You ever been there before? You got home and told your wife, Honey, I don't know how I got from there to here. I mean, I know I'm here and I know I left there, but I didn't know it took place in between. Why not? You were in deep thought. Right? All right, now listen. Be still and know that I am God. God wants us to break through. God wants to pull down wall, us to pull down walls. And the only way is to be silent for a while and begin to think how big God is. You see, it was ridiculous, it was foolishness to walk around those fortified walls. I mean, can you imagine the people there at Jericho? Can you imagine the warriors that were there on the walls watching, looking down and looking at these Israelites without any weapons? Just walking around the walls. But God was going before them. God's presence was with them. See, too often we look at ourselves and our own abilities and we fail to learn how to put God to work for us. He wants us to take time to be still and know that He is God and begin to think on the inside without even saying. Just think. This problem is not too big for the God that we serve. And beloved, I believe it takes time for every single one of us. If we want to expand, if we want to get beyond where we're at right now in God, then it's going to take all the energies of our being on the inside. We're going to have to shut down and pull down the way we've thought before and then rebuild brand new walls.
only these walls will be different than the other walls. But I want you to notice that with every day that went by, it began to build up on the inside of them and build up on the inside of them. God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. There they are, the wise, the mighty, the people of Jericho and the inhabitants thereof and the mighty warriors and the fortified walls probably laughing and jeering on the top. What are they doing? Walk, what are they doing walking around these walls? But God was getting bigger every day. Every day that went by, they shut down their thoughts. They shut down how they felt about it. They shut down their own emotions. And what the next day that went by, they may have blown the ram's horn. And then what the next day that went by, they saw that God was before them. And the next day that went by, it was now less of self, more of God. Less of self, more of God. Less of self, more of God. With each passing day, God is getting bigger. And God is getting bigger. And God is getting bigger. And now it builds up to this climax on the seventh day. Praise God. And they got excited. God was bigger and bigger. And now it wasn't one time around the wall. It wasn't two times around the wall. It wasn't three times around those fortified walls in that great city. No, seven times. And on the seventh time, God said, Blow the sound of the trumpet and the ram's horn. And they began to blow it. And they began to shout, Praise God. They began to shout with the voice of triumph and victory. And the walls came down. What holds you in bondage? We can't get by one day just thinking about God without rehearsing the problem 50 times. Every time you do, be silent. Don't vocalize. Don't say it. Don't talk about the problem. Be silent as far as the problem is concerned. And if you want to say anything, keep saying, but my God's bigger. But my God's bigger. But my God's bigger. But my And say it the next day. Say it until it builds on the inside of you. And then when you're ready, glory to God, you start shouting those. Faith does not wait for the walls to fall before it shouts. Faith shouts the walls down. In other words, beloved, something's going to happen inside you. God's going to get bigger than the problem. And when God gets bigger than the problem, you're going to start shouting. Did you hear that? And when you start shouting, you know what you just did? You blew out that satanic stronghold from your life. You blew out that tradition that says, you can't believe God for that. Sorry, I just did. Hallelujah. Can you see that? You blew that thing out of you. You've been there before, bound up by these things. We want to blow them out. We want the walls to come down. That's how we do it. Be silent, be still, know that He's God. In other words, don't give voice, don't give attention to the problem, to the walls that are up there. Give attention to the one who goes before you. Give attention to the Lord your God. Inside you start saying, but my God's bigger than that. But my God's greater than that. But my God's more powerful than that. And if it's inferiority or if it's condemnation, you know what you do on the inside of you? Man, you have been browbeat. I don't know where from. I don't know who from. But there are walls. You're in prison by your condemnation. You are so condemned before God, you think you can't do anything right. 
let alone trying to believe God for big and mighty things because you are so bound up by condemnation. Well, you know what? What you begin saying is, Romans 8, 1 says, one day. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation to me. And you meditate upon that throughout the day. And you keep saying it. It might take two days. It might take three days. But something is going to happen on the inside of you. When that light goes on, when the glory light begins to shine, when the revelation of the fact that, you know what? Without you combing your hair, without you shining your shoes, there's no condemnation to you. Because you're in Christ. In other words, there's nothing you're doing to change this thing. It's only a satanic stronghold that was built up in your life because we allowed it. God's not condemning me. Who's condemning me? It's not God. It's not Jesus. It might be people and it might be the devil, but it's certainly not God. It's certainly not Jesus. And you might be condemning yourself. And so you get your eyes off of that and you start saying, Praise God, there is no condemnation to me. I am free. And but when that thing hits you, you know what you're going to do? You are going to start shouting. And when you start shouting, those walls are going to come down. I'm telling you, those walls are going to come down. I, I, I know times in my own life when I start seeing some things, I just let out a shout. Glory to God. When you get revelation, how many of you, you're like me. When you get revelation, you shout. You can't hold back your shout when you get revelation from God. It is so wonderful to know that the Word of God became alive to you and you shout. And what happens? Man, the wall comes down. You're free. No more prisoner to rejection. No more prisoner to condemnation. No more prisoner to doubt. In certain areas of our lives. No more prisoner to fear of failure in my life. I'm no longer prisoner to that. Why? Because I took time to deal with it. I took time to pull down that wall. You see? Those walls that imprisoned me. And that's how we did it. Well, then what do I do then? Well, once we pull down those walls, beloved, we've got to start putting up some walls. I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Jesus Himself said this. If we want emotional wholeness, once we do our part as far as bringing down the walls are concerned, then we can start building new walls in our lives that shut out the darkness and that protect us with the power of God. We're not controlled by our emotions. We're controlled by the spiritual forces of the recreated human spirit. In other words, the work of God on the inside of us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, we read, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound or well-disciplined mind. I want everybody to say with me tonight, God has given me a well-disciplined mind. I have a well-disciplined 
mind. See, beloved, here's how we begin to build up walls. Fortified walls that will give God access to our lives. Walls with gates that will shut out the darkness and only allow entrance to the light. See, we can control that. What we allow will be allowed. What we disallow will be disallowed. Matthew 16, 18. I give you the keys to the kingdom. See, we can open up the door and let the light in. Or we can open up the door and let the darkness in. It's up to us. Our responsibility now, after we've pulled down those walls, is to begin to rebuild in our lives. Start saying, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That scripture is no different to me than it is to you. It's the same to every single one of us. But you see, beloved, it will only produce in the life of the person who acts upon it, who says it, who thinks about it, and who builds on it. Fear will devastate people's lives. Fear will unleash emotional powers that are destructive. We know that. So what we have got to do is pull down those walls and begin saying, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have a well-disciplined mind. I refuse to give place to the emotion of fear. I refuse to give place to, to anything that is destructive to my life. I refuse to accept defeat. I refuse to accept failure. I refuse to be controlled by the voices of others. I refuse to be controlled by an unforgiving spirit. I refuse to be controlled by bitterness. I refuse to be controlled by animosity. I refuse to give place to the devil. What we start doing is saying this. I refuse things that are detrimental to my emotional and spiritual condition. I give place to things that are productive. Things that will promote my spiritual growth and condition. And as we begin doing that, we build walls. Walls with gates that will allow entrance only to things that are productive. We refuse to be destroyed. Our emotional wholeness will come, beloved, if we will take the Word and upon its foundation build walls protecting us on the inside. Hatred is a violent force. Hatred is a destructive force. But you know what? You can build up walls of love. Do you know you can build up walls of love? Has somebody offended you today? Has someone slotted you today? You are tempted to give place to the emotion of either hatred or selfishness or to be offended and give place to your emotions and lash out in retaliation. And you can do that if you like. Or you can say, I am choosing to allow God to be bigger in my life. Have you ever made a decision to walk in the realm of love and the moment you've made that decision you were challenged before Bedtime? Have you ever been there? You have an opportunity to remain as you are, right where you're at, and not let God get any bigger. Or you can say, I'm going to rise up and meet the challenge. 
Whenever you find yourself in a position where you can retaliate and you can act out of love, remember this. What you do at that time will either hold you captive and make God small or set you free and make God bigger. And if you choose the right thing, beloved, God will get bigger on the inside of you and your faith in God will grow. Your confidence level in God will grow because you're walking in the love of prison you. You are choosing to give place to the instruction of God's Word, to the emotion of His love, which is based on the decision of the will. And you begin to walk in that power and in that strength. And you will change, beloved, on the inside. You'll build up walls that will keep you protected in the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, by the power of God. And your emotions will no longer control or dictate to your life. My emotions won't dictate to my life. You'll put yourself in a place and in a realm where you will begin to prosper in all the things of God because of your conscious effort and decision. You will not have to be destroyed by your own emotions any longer, or even think that there's nothing you can do about the way you are. Jesus Himself experienced everything that we experience in this life. The Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, He was tempted to be controlled by His emotional feelings at times when He was attacked by other people. But He chose not to retaliate. He chose not to do anything out of the realm and scope of divine love. And as a result, he conquered every adversary that ever came against him. Love in the end won out, beloved. And at times when it seems as though we're not winning, when it may seem as though the people are walking over us, I want you to know that your love that you're walking in is securing for you a position that will enable you to rise up in the strength of God and conquer all your adversaries. The Bible says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And if we'll put to practice that precept and that principle, it won't be very long, beloved, before we will shut down our own emotions and tell them they will not dictate to us because we're not going to be like a city without walls. We're going to walk in the power of God, protecting our hearts with all diligence because out of it, our hearts come the issues of life. We're going to follow the principle of, and I'll close with this verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. We're going to follow the principle of Philippians 4, 8 in actuality. Every single one of us wants and needs divine intervention in our times of trouble. Every single one of us wants to be in a place and in a position that we can say that when I have a need, my God will hear me and my God will meet that need. Don't you want to be in that position at all times? That means we can't afford to be in unforgiveness. We can't afford to harbor bitterness and animosity in our hearts or in our lives. We can't afford to maintain a get-even spirit. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. We can't afford any of those luxuries. We've got to choose to shut down those emotions and their dictates and do this. In verse 6, be careful for nothing. 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Beloved, I really believe that as we reach out to God with our requests, He gets bigger in our lives. It's because of a lack of confidence, many fail to reach out to God thinking that He's mad at us. We've got to pull down those walls the enemy has built up in our lives. And know that God loves us just as we are. Father, I'm in trouble. Father, I'm in need. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request and voice be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. Now, I want you to notice this language. Shall mount guard, shall protect your heart and mind. Why does the Bible say our mind needs to be protected through Christ Jesus? Have we really given ourselves over to the protection of Jesus Christ in the arena of our minds? Good question, isn't it? Have we? Our minds play havoc with us. Our minds want to be in control. Our minds are racing throughout the course of a day, a thousand miles an hour. But we ought to stop. We ought to shut down. We ought to say, wait a minute. Be still and know that I serve God. He'll keep us in perfect peace if our minds are stayed upon Him because we trust in Him. God, I'm turning this over to you. I'm trusting you in my situation. And now the peace of God will mount guard over our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, I want you to notice how you can keep in good repair the walls that protect your spirit and mind. Here's how we can keep in proper repair. How many of you know that maintenance is necessary to keep all things running smoothly? Isn't that true? Maintenance is necessary. Well, this is called spiritual maintenance. It will enable us to see to it that we keep in repair the fortified walls and gates that shut out the enemy, shut out the emotions of destruction, and keep the spiritual forces flowing in our lives. Whatsoever things are true, and that's ultimate truth. That's not natural truth. That's ultimate truth. Sanctify them by that truth. Thy word is truth. I live by the truth of the word of God. Whatsoever things are true, I'm going to think on. Whatsoever things are honest, I'm going to think on. Whatsoever things are just, I'm going to think on. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And as we think on those things, let that be a guide to all of us. If it's not true, I don't want to dwell on it. If it's not pure, I don't want to dwell on it. If it's not honest, I don't want to dwell on it. How many of you have ever had a bad report? Do we dwell on it? We better not. We all get bad reports. But if we're honest... Sometimes we're tempted to dwell on it much. I said tempted to. Don't dwell on it. Make 
a point not to dwell on it. And beloved, if we'll follow this principle and procedure, we'll see to it we keep in good repair those fortified walls and gates that will shut out the enemy. We'll see that we, we unleash the abilities of God on the inside of us and He'll enlarge Himself in us. He'll enable us to believe Him for bigger and better things. It's a painful process sometimes because we don't want to let go of our emotional hang-ups, beloved. But God is saying, trust me, I'll get bigger, you'll get smaller. I'll get bigger, you'll get smaller. You know, you'll actually walk around like somebody who doesn't care. But it's not a no-care attitude, it's a knowing God attitude. I've got inside information. All is well with my soul. He doesn't want to just save your spirit. He wants it well with your soul. Hallelujah. It's like you just sometimes want to blurt out somebody, I know something you don't know. (laughs) You should be full of heartache and pain. I know something you don't know. You should be so upset right now. You should be so angry and so violent. I know something you don't know. Right? Hallelujah. You're different, I know. Because I know something you don't know. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.